Psalm 29. As we read, we remember this is God's word. A psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Amen. We thank God for this reading from his truth. And before we come to look at it together, let's pray and ask for God's help to understand it. Oh God, you speak when your word is read and when it is preached. We thank you for that. We pray today that you would help us to listen, to understand, to believe your word and to put it into action in our lives. May we, having heard your word preached, be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to <clears throat> tell you a story today. It's a story about two brothers. Um, we're talking mid-1990s, somewhere on the south coast of France. And these two brothers, let's call them David and James, uh, have finally, after days and days of pleading, managed to convince their parents to buy them a floaty boat. You all know what a floaty boat is, don't you? It's sort of a, a rubber dinghy, a, a cheap rubber dinghy, a light rubber dinghy, the, the kind you might venture into a swimming pool with, but not something that would be seaworthy for crossing the Mediterranean Sea. Nonetheless, having convinced their parents to buy them this floaty boat, off David and James went into the med with the words of their father ringing in their ears, don't go too far. You can guess what happened. After a leisurely 10 minutes or so of paddling out to sea, relaxing, enjoying the sun, the brothers eventually decided to look back and see how far they had gone. The answer is too far. They'd gone beyond what was a reasonable distance for two children to be out in the Mediterranean Sea in a floaty boat. What's more, the wind was starting to pick up and was pushing them further out. Now you need to know that David is the risk taker of the two and so he dared his brother to leave the boat and see how deep the water was. 
Could James touch the bottom? Well, of course, James, not wanting to be a card, followed his big brother's challenge, got out of the boat, but he couldn't touch the bottom. David reckoned James was a bit of a wuss and that he would be able to touch the bottom, so he got out of the boat and tried himself. He couldn't touch the bottom either. What the brothers did not account for was that with them out of the boat, the boat itself was a pretty decent seal, and so the wind caught it and began to blow the boat further out, the two brothers holding on to their floaty boat. After a brief struggle, James suggested giving up and swimming back, but David was very aware of the retribution he would face from his father. Uh, They had gone too far and had lost the money that had been spent on the floaty boat, so they continued in futility trying to drag the boat back to shore. Eventually, David had to concede, and the two brothers began a long swim back to shore to face their father without their floaty boat. Father was forgiving and simply happy to have his sons back on dry land, although this story does come up from time to time at family gatherings to illustrate the importance of listening to your father. So there they stood, two brothers and their dad, watching their floaty boat flip over and over in the wind, further and further into the Mediterranean Sea, over the horizon to Northern Africa. A story about two brothers caught unawares of the gentle breeze that can be on the Mediterranean Sea. Two brothers who learned a lesson, a lesson of fear and awe in the power of the wind and the waters. Well, thousands of years before that, looking out on the same sea, although a different coast, King David wrote Psalm 29. And he wrote it not about a gentle breeze. He wrote it about a raging and fearsome storm. A storm that begins out at sea with thunder booming and lightning flashing. A storm that's not moving further out to sea, but moving inwards towards the land. A storm that breaks giant trees. As it comes to land, it shakes whole mountains. Entire nations of people are troubled by this storm. A storm so fierce that it causes animals to give birth. And it rumbles throughout the wilderness lands. A storm so strong and mighty that it leaves the the forests bare of trees. Can you picture the storm? How do you respond to such a storm? We're talking here about a storm of such epic proportions that it shakes the whole earth. Imagine being a floaty boat in the middle of that storm. You wouldn't simply be tossed to and fro. You would be torn to pieces because of the might of such a storm. Can you picture it? How do you react? What is your response to this storm? Today, I want us to look at the storm. And I want us to see not just the storm itself as awesome and amazing, but to see the God who sits over the storm. 
To see the God whose voice is in the power of the storm. The God who is almighty. To whom is due all glory and strength and worship and honour. And I want us to find our place before this God. So often I think we come to worship and and we think of, of worship as giving praise to God because of what he has done for us. And that's, that's a right thing to do. So often we can think of a sermon or a worship service as something that we have to get something from. What do we get out of the service today? Today is not like that. This psalm is not like that. Today I simply want us to marvel. I want us to marvel in wonder in worship. Not because of what we get from God, but because of who God is. I want us to see and to hear the greatness of God. I want us to be left with praise for God's greatness. And only then, at the very end, may we pray for God's strength and peace to be with us. Please do have your Bibles open to Psalm 29. The psalm opens with this command, a a call from the psalmist to the heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. There's a bit of a debate by what the psalmist actually means by heavenly beings. You mighty ones, what's he talking about? Is he calling out to the sun, the moon and the stars? Is he calling to the planets to give glory to God? I'm not sure, but I don't actually buy that. I I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's calling upon the angels, upon the saints in glory. I think this is like what we have at the start of our services, a call to worship. King David, as the covenant king of God, is saying to the angels, let us worship God, just as I do at the start of each of our services. Speaking to angels and to the saints in glory is not something that we are very used to doing in these days. And especially in in our Irish Presbyterianism, we've lost a great deal of the liturgical practice of our forefathers. Some of you might have heard the doxology before. Have you heard of the doxology? It's a short hymn of praise uh, used by Christians in worship. It it goes, I'm not going to sing it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Usually we sing it to the tune of the 100th Psalm. Have you heard that before? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son and Holy Ghost. And then it usually concludes with a a choral Amen. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Host. Isn't that interesting? That's what David's doing in this psalm. It's what we do if we sing or say the doxology. Calling upon the heavenly beings, the angels in heaven, the saints who have gone before us into glory. Calling upon them to praise God. And I think it simply points out to us that often our view of God is too small. We think of God in terms of what we can see and what we are like. 
we think of God in terms of, of what we see him do in our lives. But God is great. He is greatly to be praised. He is above the angels in heaven. And it is right that they should join with us in ascribing him glory and strength. What a joy it will be for us whenever we join with them. Not just by faith, but whenever we we see them, whenever we hear their voices to join with us in praise of God. You are aware by this stage that I love singing psalms. I think it's good for our souls that we sing them weekly. But I have to say there are some occasions when joining with God's people to sing the psalms has just been so special. It has has caused a, a physical reaction in me that the hairs on the back of my neck and on my arms stand up. My own ordination service... Our recent services of ordination have been such occasions. But just think about what it's going to be like whenever we no longer have to rely on faith, but by sight we will worship God in the beauty of holiness. Gathering with the choirs of angels to sing praise to God. Entering into the heavenly glory Ascribing God the glory due his name. And we will never ever grow weary of praising our great God. Because his greatness demands our praise. Our God is not only the God of the things we can see. Not only the God of the visible. He is the God of the invisible. And this call for the mighty ones. For the heavenly beings to give glory to God, is a reminder for us of how great and how big our God is. He is worthy to receive all praise, all honour and all glory, not only across this world, but also in the heavenly places. Well, the psalm then shifts focus to this world. And the psalmist David basically zooms in on one aspect of who God is. Maybe this is because if we try to think of of all of who God is, our our minds would just explode. We, We couldn't contain that. So David just concentrates on God's voice. Maybe we need to consider God one aspect at a time. He focuses our thoughts on the voice of God. Telling us what the voice of God does that we might hear of God's greatness. One commentator that I read this week says this. Psalm 29 should cause us to realise that our understanding of our God as friend and shepherd has too often deteriorated into a body relationship. We need to realise who God truly is as the creator, holy one, the almighty God. It is time to be overwhelmed by the power of his presence. May Psalm 29 drive us to our knees before the most high God. And I think that's 
That's what we get from David when we read about what the voice of the Lord does. Spurgeon said that this psalm should be read with lightning and thunder crashing in the background. We are driven to our knees when we think about the might, strength and awesome power just of God's voice. His voice alone does this. The picture of a storm is clear to us and and we know what it's like to be in in wet weather whenever the rain is pelting down. And, you know, I've I've spoken before about how I'm I'm such a good husband and whenever I see the rain coming down and there's clothes on the line, I'll go out and get them in. You know the panic that sets in and you're trying to get the pegs off the clothes and the rain's coming down and you just can't do it quick enough. Panic, chaos, disorder. That's what a storm is. But the psalm makes it really plain to us. God is not in panic mode. Look at verse 10. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. He is not panicking. He is the one who is causing the storm. His voice is over it all with his order and his peace. This is the way things are described in the very beginning before creation. The world is described as as formless and void. The Hebrew carries a, a much much more of an idea that it's chaos. It's not just formless, it's all over the place. It's chaos. But God's voice creates order. God speaks and peace is brought in creation. The same voice of the Lord that thunders in this psalm brings order and peace in the beginning. And so here we see the greatness of God. Everything that comes to pass does so because God says it should. Peace and chaos, storm and stillness all come from the voice of the Lord. We should proclaim with David in verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. How great And how powerful is our God that he speaks and creation comes into being. None of us can do that. None of us. Parents, we might like to think we have that power. We might like to to think we can say, make your bed and then it's done. We don't have that power. None of us have the power in our voice that God has in his voice. His voice is like a storm rolling in over the sea, coming over the land, breaking trees, stripping forests bare, causing mountains to dance like a calf and animals to go into labour. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Of course, I think it's hard to to read this psalm, to, to hear all this and not think towards our Lord Jesus. Think about what he did with his voice when the storm came in. When the storm arose on the Sea of Galilee and and he was in the boat with his disciples, you remember? Jesus was asleep. 
And his disciples woke him and he asked them about their faith. And then he calmed the storm with his voice. And his disciples began to say among themselves, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? Well, we know that he is none other than the God who spoke light into being in the beginning. He is the God who parted the waters of the Red Sea. He is the God whose voice is over the waters. The God of glory who thunders. The voice of the Lord Jesus is powerful. The voice of the Lord Jesus is full of majesty. You see the greatness of our God? The greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you hear the greatness of his voice? The words of the children's chorus come to mind. Our God is a great big God. He's higher than the skyscrapers and he's deeper than the deepest sea. And as we bring things to a close for today, let's not forget that he holds us in his hands. There's a wonderful Old Testament commentator, Dale Ralph Davies, whose books have been really helpful for me as we're working through these psalms. And he says that Psalm 29 on the surface can seem a little bit disappointing. Because quite often we come to the Psalms looking for a pick-me-up. That's what we go to the Bible for, a little thought that will inspire us for the day. And the disappointing thing about Psalm 29 is that it's not about us. It's all about God. Well, I think what Dale Ralph Davies knows full well and what he explains in the rest of the chapter is that the whole Bible is not about us. The whole Bible is about God. And yet when we look for it, there is much comfort to be found in this psalm for those who trust in Christ. For anyone who can hear this God and say, this God is my God. God's voice is powerful and it is full of majesty, but it brings peace, not fear, to his children. If you are one of those who are in the temple, and we read that today and we we see the word church. If you're in the church, we cry glory. And verse 11 is for us. I hope, I really do hope this psalm has made you feel small. It's made you feel weak. It, It makes me feel small and weak. I hope it's, made you feel like those brothers off the coast of the south of France, powerless and helpless. We are weak. We are helpless in the face of sin and death, a a storm that is raging in our lives. We can do nothing to defeat it. But when we trust in God, the storm is his storm. And he can bring it to an end with a word. His voice is powerful. And we will receive from him strength and peace forevermore. We've seen how Jesus calmed the storm. If we go a little further on into the Jesus story, when we come to the cross, we see another word that Jesus spoke. 
In the Greek, that word is tetelestai. In English, we translate it as it is finished. Jesus spoke and the storm of sin and death was finished. Through his death on the cross, Jesus put an end to the storm for his people. And in its place, he gives us peace. He leads us beside still waters. Isn't it interesting that after such a ferocious storm of a psalm, you see what the last word is? Peace. That's what's on offer for all who will submit to the voice of the Lord. You are hearing God's voice today. God is calling upon you to have his peace. Don't try and shout over it. Don't try and block it out. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And his voice is speaking peace to you today. If only you will listen. Let me pray for us.